One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Matea reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Canada Land supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Canada Land shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes, like a behind-the-scenes tour of the federal budget lockup, more of Boris Johnson's trip to Canada, and of course, more of us yapping about what's hot in politics right now. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. Uh, as long as you want. Thank you, Ms. Gerson and listeners of Oppo for providing me with the opportunity to release uh, a special episode uh, today uh, to you. Um, for the period of approximately four weeks between February and March 2019, I experienced a consistent and sustained effort by many people, both from my co-host on this program and from listeners at home, to convince me that the SNC-Lavalin affair would be a long-running and damaging scandal to the Trudeau government. The pressure included tweets inviting me to eat crow. It included hurtful nicknames like the world's worst magic eight ball. And one time when I was walking down the hallway, Jen Gerson slapped all of my books out of my hand, and while it wasn't technically related to SNC Lavalin, it was very embarrassing. I would like to use this statement to register, for the record, that while I was operating on the best information I had at the time, I was wrong. The Trudeau government now has a Jody Wilson-Raybould-sized problem, and it has exposed itself even more as being cravenly partisan, overly centralized, cynical, and more self-defeating than I previously imagined. I will conclude by saying this. I was taught to always be careful of what you say because you cannot take it back. But, unlike the former Justice Minister, I have spent my entire career ignoring that advice. Thank you, and from Canada land, this is Oppo. This episode of Oppo, which I am so looking forward to, is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes conquering the kitchen a reality with deliciously easy recipes. Just like it's easy to deliciously roast Justin Ling, and I will be doing so on this episode. <laughs> HelloFresh does all the meal planning, shopping, and prepping, so you can just focus on enjoying a healthier you and happier family. For 50% off your first box of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.ca slash oppo and enter OPPO. So, since last week's show, former Justice Minister and Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould appeared before a parliamentary committee to speak her truth, and it was some grade-A, take-down-the-government kind of truth. Now, I'm sure pretty much everyone listening has followed along to this point, but if you haven't, basically what Jody Wilson-Raybould told the committee was in line with what has been reported in the Globe and Mail for the last several weeks. And it turns out the Globe and Mail was pretty much spot on, though they didn't even grasp the whole enormity of just how fucked up this whole thing was. 
The former justice minister told the committee that from September to late December, over the course of 10 in-person meetings, 10 phone calls, and a bunch of emails and text messages, Trudeau, his principal secretary, his chief of staff, his legal advisors, as well as the chief of staff to the finance minister and the clerk of the Privy Council, as well as a whole bunch of other people, they all tried to twist her arm into signing a deferred prosecution agreement with SNC-Lavalin. In the process, they admitted that this was really about electoral politics and not really the good of the nation. But here's the even crazier part. On multiple occasions, Wilson-Raybould warned her colleagues that the pressure was inappropriate and that they were on the verge of compromising her independence as attorney general. What's more, as if you needed more on top of that. She revealed that even before she was shuffled out of her job, the clerk of the Privy Council was calling her deputy minister to schedule meetings on SNC-Lavalin, raising this strong possibility she was fired over this whole clusterfuck. So I am now obviously 100% of the belief that this is a huge fucking scandal that will not live and die in February, as I previously predicted. And there's not a whole lot the government can do to repair this huge fucking gaping, massive, flaming hole of damage in their own administration. So, Jen, over to you. Make me crow. I was wrong. Glad to have you join us on the dark side, Justin. It's really nice to have you. The only little note that I'm going to say here is um, twist her arm into signing a deferred prosecution agreement. I think it was more like twist her arm into pressuring her independent public prosecutor into signing. Yes, even worse. Even worse. Okay. And she even repeatedly told the government that the agreement could not be signed because they could not take into account the economic interests of the country in deciding whether or not to offer that deal, to which the chief of staff of the prime minister basically said, who gives a shit? Not great. Not a great look for really anyone in this whole situation except Jody Wilson-Raybould. She looks great after all of this. She looks much better. She's looking fantastic. I mean, Jody Wilson-Raybould for PM here, man. It sounds awesome. You know, now that I finally have you on the same page and I don't have to repeatedly scream at the screen at you uh, to explain to you why this is a big story. I, hang on. I will say that I was, again, operating the best information we had at the time. The Golden Mail did not have any of the, well, you didn't have much of this detail. So, yeah, obviously, now that we have some verifiable stuff on the record that is backed up by her own meeting minutes, emails, text messages, yeah, of course, I believe it's a huge fucking problem because now we have proof of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, go on, Jen. Okay, so let's let's move on to what we need to talk about now. Firstly, let's talk about the prime minister's actual response. Only a couple of hours after Jody Wilson-Raybould gives this astonishing four-hour-long testimony in front of the Justice Committee, in which, as you said, she's providing details, facts, texts, She's notes. bringing the receipts. She goddamn receipts. A couple of hours after that, Justin Trudeau appears before like a very friendly Montreal press corps to give like a six-minute press conference Oh, uh, at eight o'clock at night Eastern. So after a lot of the deadlines have passed or, you know, assuring that a lot of his comments are going to get slipped into uh, stories and broadcasts at the last possible second. And it was probably one of the weakest most inadequate press conferences for something of this nature that I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I mean, astonishingly poor strategy, astonishingly poor tactics, and astonishingly poor communication. And it's important to note that this was planned out. The prime minister had an announcement in uh, Montreal the day after, but he drove from Ottawa to Montreal immediately after the House finished question period that day, just as Jody Wilson-Raybould was getting set to testify. Got in the car, drove to Montreal, just so he could surround himself with you know volunteer support and his new MP who won in the by-election in Outremont just to give that statement. You know, this was actually planned out, which really underscores just how fucking weak it was. We actually have a clip here, and you can just sit there and squirm at how utterly toothless this defense is. 
It was important for Jody Wilson-Raybould to speak openly at the Justice Committee today, and I'm glad she had the chance to do so. I strongly maintain, as I have from the beginning, that I and my staff always acted appropriately and professionally. I therefore completely disagree with the former Attorney General's characterization of events. Our government will always focus on jobs and our economy. We of course had discussions about the potential loss of 9,000 jobs in communities across the country, including the possible impact on pensions. My job as Prime Minister has always been to stand up for Canadians and Canadian workers. I want to be absolutely clear here. The decision around SNC-Lavalin was Ms. Wilson-Raybould's and hers alone. Not only is it incredibly toothless, and I'm going to dissect it in a minute here, but I would also say it's strategically stupid. Like, he, he at that point, has lost the news cycle so dramatically that there is no press conference that he could have given that would have salvaged himself. Really, what he should have done is taken the L on that cycle and then come back with a really, really, really strong press conference the next oh, day I, I, and actually said, no, we're going to spend an hour in front of non-friendly press. We're going to take hard questions and we're going to answer as truthfully as we can. And if it takes two hours in front of the media, fine, we do that. Like that is the only way to address a situation like this. You can't respond to allegations of this nature with like a little six minute conversation and you try to dismiss Jody Wilson-Raybould's entire testimony with something like, well, I, I disagree with her characterization of events. That's it. Like, ultimately, that's what his press statement boiled down to. Oh, it's funny because I actually totally disagree. I actually think there was an avenue for him that night, not to put the story to bed, obviously, but to significantly neutralize the potential long-term impact of this whole thing. And that would be to walk out to that microphone and say, point blank, the buck stops with me. I really fucked up here and mea culpa. And I'm actually very surprised that's not what he did because at a certain point, he does have a leg to stand on here. You know, he can come out and say, listen, was I blinded by both electoral politics and, you know, the strong desire to keep these 9,000 jobs in Quebec? Yes, I was. And in that process, did I basically bully my own justice minister? Yes, I did. And this whole thing has, you know, the unfurling scandal has shown me the error of my ways. And I'm so unbelievably sorry. I'm happy to take your questions, but recognize that I take full responsibility for what happened here. No one else is to blame. If he had done that, I think I wouldn't have been, I don't think anyone would have been completely satisfied, but at the very least, I would have said, good, okay, great. You know, we don't have to litigate each detail and understanding and each interpretation of a meeting anymore. You know, he has taken responsibility. He's admitted that the version of events is more or less accurate, which I think it is. And, you know, there's no more need to go back and forth on each little detail, email and phone call and meeting. You know, he've admitted the, the basis of, of what happened and, and we can start talking about fallout at this point, but he didn't do that. Yeah. Okay. Two problems with that strategy. I mean, yes, that would have been the more honest, obvious strategy here, but we're not going to talk about morality. We're going to talk about strategy because this is politics. First, <laughs> Firstly, if he does that, he completely undermines everything that he had said previously for the last four weeks. So, you know, it sort of just becomes a, well, were you lying then or are you lying now conversation? And oh, I don't know about that because because honestly, Jody Wilson-Raybould had not said a lot of this stuff, I think, in this format. I think, you know, he, he could well have said... You know, she raised concerns at the time, but I didn't really appreciate the severity of it. And now that I hear all of it, I, I hear her and she's right. OK, you could have pulled that offline. But how does he do that and say, I accept responsibility for this and not resign? 
Like, that, like that's the problem. Is the second you open the door and you say, I accept responsibility, her version of, of events is valid, and I was over the line. Accepting responsibility means accepting resignation. That's what that means. It accept, means accepting consequences. I don't know about that. I don't think that's the case. I mean, at a certain point, uh, you know, Prime Minister Harper more or less took responsibility, you know, alongside Nigel Wright uh, for the payoff with Mike Duffy. He basically said, listen, was this whole thing inappropriate? Would I do it again? Uh, no, but this was about making the taxpayer whole and we did it the wrong way. But you're right to say that it was a problem and we really fucked this up. I'm sorry. And that did it. And this is the problem. It's it's the people who are saying, well, Harper did this with Duffy. This is a whole it's order not the same. problem. 100%. No, it's not the same. It's a whole order issue. What we would have essentially is we would have a prime minister confessing to try to overrule the judicial independence of his own public prosecutor. I mean, the, the problem with the scandal and why it's so scary is because if he's willing to do it there, where does the buck stop? Where does the line stop? If he's willing to stop a prosecution for his friends, is he willing to start a prosecution for his enemies? And that's where we get into- that's, that's no, I'm not saying that that's what he's done or I have any evidence of that being the case whatsoever. But that's why the scandal gets so scary, because it gets us into some really dangerous banana republic territory very quickly. And I think I think it's a whole other order of problem, to be honest. Well, so I think you're totally right. And I think that's the other piece of this conversation where in this hypothetical world where he came out and said, mea culpa, the buck stops with me, I take responsibility, and therefore I'm going to start the process to split the title of Attorney General and Justice okay. Minister to make sure this never happens again, and I'm going to codify some new regulations or directives for the Public Prosecution Service, yada, yada, yada. This whole thing has exposed to me the fragility of you know um, the independence of both of those roles, and I want to fix that. Again, that would have gone a long way. I think that that would have gone a long way. I still think you would have had some problems with caucus solidarity under that scenario. And I still think you would, sure. have had, you would have had calls for him to resign if he just owns up. I think so. But I think you're right. I think that that, that would have been a better strategy. His other strategy and his other option, if he's going to go the double down on the Jody Wilson Rebold is just crazy and difficult route, which appears to be what the liberals are effectively doing, is that if you're going to do that, if you genuinely think that she has mischaracterized what you have done in this scenario and that you aren't guilty then you have to come back with something stronger than a six-minute presser. You've got to come back with like, hey, okay, I'm going to sit down in front of a hostile press corps in Ottawa and actually like answer real questions about what I meant when I said this or whether or not blah, blah. And actually, that's part of the reason why his defense was so weak, because he went before the press in Montreal, which meant that a lot of the clips were translated because they were francophone reporters. Therefore, it didn't really play in the rest of the country. He doesn't need to do defense in Quebec. He needs to do defense in the rest of the country. And the Anglophone reporters are not, you know, full-time political reporters. So the questions were inherently just weaker than they would have been if if it were the parliamentary press gallery. And I do wonder if that in part was was by design. You know, he it was one tough question. Oh, of, and, oh, of course it was by Dan. And this is but, also But in the end, it hurt him. It made him look oh, it totally weaker. Did. It absolutely did. And this is actually one of the things that I think politicians do this to themselves a lot when they only speak in front of quote unquote perceived friendly press corps and they're unwilling to take questions from harder press corps. They actually damage themselves because they make their own statements and their own responses weaker to the public. That's so right. So it's it was actually just bad strategy all around. I also think holding a press conference at 8 p.m. reeks of panic to me. Just just well, absolutely screams panic. I 100% agree, though I will say the other two opposition leaders decided to deliver their statements before the PM actually spoke, uh, so between Jody Wilson-Raybould's testimony, but before the PM, where they offered two kind of very different prescriptions about what the PM ought to be doing. So first, we're going to hear from Andrew Scheer, uh, who spoke first, but a half hour before the PM, and then Jugmeet Singh, who spoke right afterwards, and honestly, so off-base, both of them. Justin Trudeau simply cannot continue to govern this country now that Canadians know what he has done. And that is why I am calling on Mr. Trudeau to do the right thing and to resign. Further, 
the RCMP must immediately open an investigation if it has not already done so into the numerous examples of obstruction of justice the former Attorney General detailed in her testimony. This all points to a government and a Liberal government and Mr. Trudeau, the Prime Minister, were more interested in helping their powerful friends than they're helping everyday Canadians who are struggling with housing, the cost of medication, the cost of living. This is unprecedented testimony that bolsters our argument and our call for a public inquiry. At this point, Canadians demand some answers to the questions that they have, and the only way to get to the bottom of this is a public inquiry that would have independence to assess the truth. Honestly, like neither of those worked for me. You know, Andrew Scheer saying uh, the PM has lost moral authority to govern and must resign immediately because he committed obstruction of justice, despite nobody actually saying that, yeah. least of which Jody Wilson-Raybould. And then Jagmeet Singh saying, oh, we need a public inquiry to figure out, you know, all the details. Like, it strikes me as a you know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears problem. Scheer went way too hard, way too fast. Jagmeet went way too weak. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, disagree with you on one point. That is, I, I do think that Scheer overshot on this one. Like calling for the PM to resign and saying you've lost the moral authority to govern. If you're an opposition leader, that's the most serious thing you can throw at a prime minister. You want to hold off on that until you're sure you've got the kill shot or something pretty close. So I think he he was premature in making that kind of a, of an announcement, especially considering, you know, we haven't heard really from the prime minister himself and his version of events yet. You know, ultimately what we have is is Jody Wilson-Raybould's detailed testimony, but not a lot more than that. Saying I actually think got it about right. You know, I think at this point, public inquiry is the way to go. I think that that is the appropriate response. I mean, I don't... Really? Yeah. What are we going to learn from a public inquiry that we're not going to learn from the Justice Committee? Oh, man, I got some opinions about the Justice Committee, and we'll be getting into that, and why I, th- <laughs> and why I think the Justice Committee is wholly inadequate to actually deal with the situation, mostly because essentially it's basically just a partisan circus. This actually needs to be done in an environment that's not controlled by liberals, essentially, and and the Justice Committee isn't, and you're going to see next week or the week after exactly why this can't be uh, fairly adjudicated in a Justice Committee meeting. But uh, no, I think a public inquiry is the right way to go. Um, I think that that is the best way to get to the bottom of a situation like this. And I think it's the only way that the public can have a lot of faith that this is happening in a way that is unbiased and fair. I think that that was correct. I will say that, do I think that what Jody Wilson is describing meets the standard of obstruction of justice? Well, she's not claiming that. I mean, I think that you could probably make an argument. I'm not a lawyer, but I think you could make an argument that, yes, technically, maybe it does. But do we have enough evidence or will we ever have enough evidence to show that this has met a criminal standard? Probably not. I mean, I, I think to try and prosecute this would be so difficult. That's right. I think it'll be up to the RCMP and the RCMP can go and subpoena, you know, emails, uh, meeting minutes, you know, you, you name it. And they could get the wealth of the evidence, everything you would ever need. The problem is that that would be such a fraught prosecution because yeah. you'd have to really navigate the line between what is a public policy discussion, you know, what is a partisan discussion and what is basically self-interest or, um, you know, inappropriate interference by the government in, in a prosecution. Even though the government does have some leeway to actually direct those prosecutions, we know that from the law. So I cannot imagine the RCMP, uh, you know, happily going into what would be a very difficult political circus on that end. So, and again, this is what it comes down to is that Cheer is demanding two things that just aren't going to happen. He's demanding the PM's resignation, which I don't think is going to happen. He's demanding a full criminal investigation, which I'm sure if it ever happens, well, he'll take credit for. But I don't see that investigation ever coming to prosecution, even if it happens. It's also, I mean, let's also just admit, that's theater. I mean, Cheer yeah. can't demand shit from the RCMP. 
Keen, nor can, nor should he be but it's able quite, to. It's quite weak. Right? It's quite weak when you demand something and you don't get it, right? Well, so this was it, a big it's problem. It's weak to demand something you literally have no power to control. Well, that's right. So when the NDP were official opposition, they spent you know, every other week there was a new minister they were calling on to resign or get fired by the PM. And it was it was really toothless because it became almost a running joke every time, you know, the minister of foreign affairs, you know, tripped over uh, a wayward rug. Uh, you had the NDP critic demanding his resignation. And it, it just it looked weak and amateurish. And I think this is exactly what the conservatives are looking like right now. Let's, for the sake of argument, take the question of illegality out of this mix, because until the RCMP comes forward and says charges have been laid, it's all just speculative from our perspective. Let's just say this is immoral as fuck and extremely problematic in a democratic society that this sort of pressure was going on at this level. And just leave it at that level. I don't think the standard for liberals should be anything that's not illegal is okay. Right. So like, that's not a high enough bar for people in government. What I do want to talk about is the resignation because no, I don't think sheer calling on Justin Joe to resign is going to do any good. But who actually could make Justin Trudeau resign? It would be his caucus. And if his caucus or his cabinet has effectively lost faith in him as a result of the scandal, then shit could get absolutely really weird. Things could get very weird. And we're going to find out all about that in the next couple of weeks. This episode of Oppo is brought to you by HelloFresh. Fresh, pre-measured ingredients and easy-to-follow picture recipe cards are delivered to your door each week in a special insulated box. Pictures make it a lot easier when you don't feel like reading, like me. Spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping so you can get back to doing more of what you love. The meals come together in 30 minutes, they only take a couple of pots and pans, and there's very minimal cleanup, so there's a lower likelihood that my boyfriend will yell at me for leaving dirty dishes in the sink. You can get the pronto, the veggie, or the family plan. You can switch between one or the other when your tastes change. Even the most foreign world recipes that come in the box are prepared in 30 minutes or less, and there's a flexitarian-friendly menu, along with so much more. It's perfect for those days when you come home, open the fridge, look around, and think, I wouldn't look good in any of this. But there is your box of HelloFresh. Delicious meals, ready in under a half hour, and no decision-making has to go into it. It's perfect. For 50% off your first box of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.ca slash oppo and enter OPPO. That's hellofresh.ca slash oppo, promo code oppo. So, I mean, Justin, you're in Ottawa. I'm not. But even I'm starting to hear rumors that the caucus is pretty unhappy with Justin Trudeau right now and really wondering if it might be better to be going into the 2019 election under the banner of, say, Christia Freeland or Jody Wilson-Raybould than it would be under a deeply compromised Trudeau government. I don't think that's the case. I mean, I haven't heard anything particular from you know the liberals. I know that anyone's getting antsy or angry. Best I can tell, there's probably some frustration in how the PM's handling it. I would be shocked if there wasn't. He's not handling it well. I assume the next caucus uh, meeting they're going to have, there's going to be some tough questions for the PM about you know his fumbling on this file. But you know, I don't think it's egregious to the point where people are going to start leaving or demanding his ouster. I, I don't see it. And part of the reason for that is that the Liberal Party is a little cultish. So as many of the fans of Oppo know, we often record things just a day or two before they actually get released. And sometimes that totally fucks us over. Holy shit, Jen. Did you hear that Jane Philpot just resigned? <laughs> don't, don't, don't interrupt me. Don't interrupt me. Sometimes that really fucks us over, such as today, when we just found out that Jane Philpot resigned. And I would like to point out that that means that, Justin, you've now been wrong about some aspect of the SNC scandal in an episode of Oppo 
literally before Oppo was even released. I can't even keep track of your wrongness. The timelines are getting so fast. <laughs> I mean, I almost I, I amaze myself sometimes with just how uh, incapable I am at predicting the future. But eh, it is what it is. Of course, if you haven't seen the news, Jane Philpott did, fucked off out of cabinet. Uh, she's still technically a liberal uh, MP, but she has unquestionably just dug a dagger into Trudeau's back. This is probably, this is, I think, actually worse news than Jody Wilson-Raybould resigning as Veterans Affairs Minister. So how's that uh, caucus unity there going, Justin? Not great. The one that you told me yesterday was totally fine because nobody was jockeying for Justin (laughs) Trudeau's position. I never said totally fine. I said that the Liberal Party was a cult. <laughs> and that I didn't expect anyone to jump ship. Of course, you know, and, and this is part of the big thing is that Trudeau brought in so many people who, who lived outside the liberal universe that, yeah, I'm actually, I guess this does make sense that they would be the ones most willing to shiv him and run off at the first sign of serious corruption. So <laughs> good for them, I suppose. But doesn't it actually undermine the idea that this is some kind of leadership cult? The fact that we now have it two does. cabinet ministers uh, acting very independently and telling the, the centralized party to screw off. It does. It absolutely does that. And uh, I'm actually quite impressed. Um, Obviously, Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott are are actually friends on top of just being colleagues. Um, So I think ultimately their personal relationship probably has something to do with this. But this also does just bode really well for the independence of ministers um, going forward. There is now a a much better precedent set that we have not seen over the last decade of ministers saying, fuck you, you're handling this poorly. I'm out. What are we looking for going into the future? Is there a non-zero chance that Justin Trudeau is not going to survive to the next election? I'm still having a hard time just because I I don't think he's pulled out all the stops yet. I mean, he's tried nothing and that didn't work. Uh, So I think evidently now the prime minister needs to, to do something different. So if you actually read through her statement, Philpott says, uh, quote, sadly, I have lost confidence in how the government has dealt with this matter and in how it has responded to the issues raised. That's actually a pretty direct challenge that, you know, if the original kind of accusations weren't bad enough, the government has totally fucked up in responding to them. And of course, she's right. The prime minister has tried to just basically sidestep the issue and that ain't going to work. He needs to come out and say, I take full responsibility and I'm sorry. He hasn't done that. And if he doesn't do that, yeah. He may well be gone because he may not have a cabinet left. Uh, But if he doesn't do that, and I suspect he probably won't because I think they've backed themselves so deep into a hole now that they can't dig themselves out. If he doesn't just come out and say, hey, uh, I screwed up and I'm responsible and, you know, we're going to do better next time. Do you think that Justin Trudeau can stay on as prime minister? Or will Uh. he? Do you think that that's likely to happen? I want a prediction from you because I think it'll be funny. <laughs> well, well, I should obviously say that, yes, I think he'll stick around to ensure that he'll be gone Excellent. within a month. You heard that. <laughs> you, you heard it here first on Oppo. Future leader of the Liberal Party, Christia Freeland, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, or Jane Philpott. Take your pick. Those are your three front runners. I'm not predicting anything, but Jane Philpott... That would, would be wise. <laughs> Jane Philpott would be a fantastic prime minister. Jane Philpott is, is scary effective. She is... One of the more capable politicians I've ever talked to. Um, I've interviewed her a couple times. I've scrummed her. Of course, I've followed her uh, both in health, so many indigenous services. I was excited to cover her at Treasury Board. And that gets, that's not going to happen now. Um, and she actually would be a terrifyingly good prime minister. Um, so, you know, if if she's thinking about it and wants to launch her leadership bid on Oppo, uh, <laughs> we'd be more than happy to have her. 
All right. Well, this is uh, good to know. Fortunately, we do have another episode of Oppo coming up this week. So we're hoping you uh, pay attention, um, especially as all of these predictions go to hell in the next couple of days. How many cabinet shuffles do you think there'll be between now and then, Jen? At least two. <laughs> that is it for Oppo. We'll be back next week. Get in touch with Oppo at CanadaLandShow.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at OppoCast to let us know what you think. This episode was produced by David Crosby for Canada Land Media. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Theme music by Nathan Burley. I have the last word this week, and that word is corruption. And to play you out, we have a clip of Jugmeet Singh singing along to Post Malone, who I'm told is a young people rapper. It is not nearly as cringeworthy as I was expecting, but it is confusing. Oh